Well, this morning, we're going to continue on warfare because it's Anzac Day, so I thought I'd better come and tell you a little bit about our walk in Christianity. You know, we're at war, right? If you think you come to Christianity just to kind of, you know, because it's fun and there's heaps of people to meet, you know, it's a social gathering, which is it all that, right? But let me tell you, you are at war. The Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There's physical wars, right, that we've fought throughout the generations. That's the kind of fight you fight against flesh and blood, right? It's like the, they sent the, the Anzacs to Gallipoli to fight against Turks, flesh and blood. But the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but, about, but we wrestle against principalities, spiritual forces in high places. When you came to Christianity, when you gave your life to Jesus, you entered into warfare. And I think this morning, as I was getting this message ready, I feel like some of us this morning have forgotten that we're at war. And things come upon us and we just don't know how to warfare. We've just forgotten how to take up the stand against the enemy and against things in your life. It's war. And you've got to see yourself as a soldier that Christ has enlisted. He has enlisted you in his army. He is the commanding officer. And when you say yes to Jesus, you enlisted. And what happens when a soldier gets enlisted? He listens to the commanding officer and, and has, takes orders from the commanding officer, which is Jesus. And he says to you this. He goes, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the command, right? And destroy every work of the enemy over people's lives. As Christian soldiers, as men and women who have called into Christ, do you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to come and fight against not flesh and blood, but break the stronghold over people's lives by what you say. Do you believe that? That you have the power by your words to break arguments and thoughts and take them captive, the Bible says, and loose people out of the kingdom of darkness. That's who you are. You're called to fight against the powers of darkness that are bound up and put such stronghold over people's lives. They don't even know it. They're living their lives in darkness and they don't know it. You lived your life in darkness and did not know it. The Bible says you were children of disobedience who lived in darkness. Somebody came along and preach to you about the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Jesus. And the Bible says you were translated from darkness to light, out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. You now are a soldier of the kingdom of light, which is Jesus. And so if you think that you came to Christianity to have a good time, sorry, you are at war. Because Satan wants to keep his people in his little kingdom. He doesn't care about them. He just wants them to go to hell because that's where he's going. And the only way they go to hell is because they don't believe in the gospel. That's it. Not because they're not good enough. Not because, because they haven't believed. They haven't heard the message. Have they heard the message? Or if they rejected a different story. But he's trying to keep his little minions to himself. And what's he do? He just puts unbelief in their heads. You come along and, and give him a great... Uh, gospel that tells them about that Jesus is real and he has risen and you're trying to break down that stronghold over their lives because the Bible says Satan has blinded their minds. There's a veil. 
They can't see the light. You're supposed to go with the God, word of God, come into their lives and go, listen, Jesus is alive. He's got life for you and have it abundantly. This is the gospel message and the veil's been lifted off. And so this morning, we're going to in, I don't know, about 20 minutes, less, we're going to have a look at the scripture reading this morning. Let me give you a little bit of background before we get to the scripture. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to his his disciple who he loves so much, Timothy. He loves Timothy. He's brought Timothy along in, in some of his ministry journeys. He's taken Timothy along. And Timothy's a little timid, right? Like his name, Timothy, timid, right? So he's a little bit fearful. and he's, But Paul's taking him under his wing. And he's taking him to the thing. And he's, and he's instilling into him the gospel messages. He's instilling into him, you know, godly principles. He's, he's showing him how to move in God and how to minister to God. So Paul loves this guy, right? But here he is, Paul now, is in jail. He's in Rome and he's in prison. Last letter. So he writes to Timothy, all these lists stir up the gift that God has placed. When we laid hands on him, stir up the gift, Timothy. So he's writing all these things, a final love letter to Timothy about the kingdom. And so remember, Paul, he's a Roman citizen, so he knows warfare because he's been around the, the, the traps. He's been, he's seen the Roman soldiers. He sees how they respond. He sees how they act. He sees their victories. Paul wasn't, you know, hiding behind a rock. He knows that the Roman soldier is elite. And so he uses this to remind Timothy who and what he is. And this morning, I'm going to remind you of who you are, because that's our theme, right? And so we come to the scripture this morning, and this is the Apostle Paul saying to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 3, 4, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Timothy, this is who you are. Westside, those who have given their life to Christ, this is who you are. You're a soldier, women and men. You're a soldier that's supposed to endure hardship. You're supposed to engage in warfare. You don't get entangled with the affairs of this world. That you might please him who enlisted you. You want to please your commanding officer, Jesus. And these are the things he says to Timothy that will please Jesus. Be a soldier. Be a good soldier. So listen, the first thing I want to break down this, this scripture, endure hardship. Have a look at this, right? Endure hardship. Soldiers endure hardship. But a lot of the times with when it comes to war, especially propaganda, war propaganda, they don't tell you about what's going to actually happen at war. Like in World War One, if I came when the young men were going to Gallipoli, if I said to them, listen, why don't you enlist? Because when you enlist, you're going to dig a little hole about this big and hide yourself into. There's going to be rats about this big walking up and down the trenches. There's going to be mud and there's going to be lice and there's going to be dead bodies all over the place and you are going to die and there's going to be bombs. Who would enlist? No one. This is how they did it. Listen, watch this. This is the, look, look at this. These are the posters that they came up with. Enlist in the Sportsman 1000. 
Hmm? Sportsman. Because Aussie's a great sportsman, right? You want to be a good sportsman, enlist in the Sportsman 1000 and you'll get medals and you'll be able to, you know, stretch forth those legs, those sporting legs and you'll go to, and you'll be getting medals, right? Listen, to, what's the next one? Which picture would your father like to show his friends? Propaganda, mate. You know, could you imagine the guilt, right? There's no, there's no, there's nothing about what is actually going to happen about enduring hardship. They're trying to push in the good things in here. What's the next one? Here's a good one, eh? Free trip to Europe. Invitations issued today. Free clothing, food, money, a steamer and train accommodation and the trip full of adventure and interest. Forming the greatest events of their lives to do their duty at the place where every fit Australian should be. Standing soldier to soldier, shoulder to shoulder with his present defenders in Europe invitation. Oh my goodness. Next one, is there another one? There you go. He's happy and satisfied. Are you? Are you? This is the war practice. What about this one? Look at this one. It's nice in the surf, but what about the men in the trenches? Go and help. Oh, man, if you were at that time, man, I'm enlisting. And you know what? When they got there, especially in Gallipoli, and you read some of the letters that they sent back to their parents, it would make you weep. It would make you weep. Some of the stuff that they're going, you know, some of the stuff that they, they had to endure was absolutely incredible. Lice, rats, mud, heat, cold, rotting dead corpses, flies. The amount of flies in Gallipoli was unbelievable. You couldn't even take, they had these biscuits, they were so hard, you'd break your teeth on them, they reckon. That they'd have to dip this thing in water to just soften it up. And by the time they got it out of there and into their mouths, it was full of flies. Disease, man, was rife. Killed more people from disease than, than other things, from snipers. Snipers and death all around them, bombing and, and no sleep, cramped little holes in the cliff. Why didn't they tell me this up front? Because they know that you wouldn't sign up. Now, this is where our gospel differs because our commanding officer, Jesus, he actually tells you what's going to happen to you. So to make sure that before you give your life to Christ, you're going to know what is in, is, is in the fact that you're going to enlist. What am I going to get up to? What's going to happen to my life if I enlist? And Jesus doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't give you war propaganda. He tells you the truth. When you come, that's why he says, listen, before you come to Christianity, before you give your life to Jesus, you better weigh up what he's asking you to do. Because some of the old this Christians in the past that have died for their faith, thousands of them, thousands of them do not deny who Christ is, have come and shared the gospel with people. Good soldiers come into a place telling people and people, would, they would kill them. They would kill them, but they knew what they were getting into, right? Now listen, 
You want to know what you're getting into? I'm going to make it as hard as I possibly can this morning to make it like when you think you're going to lift up your hand to give your life to Jesus, I want you to know what you're lifting up your hand to do, right? Endure hardship. Listen to what Jesus says. In this life, you're going to have many troubles. They will hate you because they hated him. They will hate it when you tell them the truth. They will hate it when you stand up for righteousness. They will hate it when you stand up for holiness because they hated Jesus because Jesus did the same thing. We as Christians are supposed to stand up for righteousness, stand up for holiness and tell people, hey, listen, what you're doing is wrong. You need to repent. They hated Jesus. They'll hate you. He says, uh, you will be persecuted. Who wants to give their lives to Jesus? Begin. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. And then he says this. He says, listen, in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Deny what you want, deny what you think is good for you, Take up your cross, which is ready to die for Jesus any time of the day, any place, and follow me. Doesn't sugarcoat it, tells you exactly what you should be doing and how we should respond, right? This message is a bit hard, but don't worry, it gets good at the end, right? Because First Peter 5, 8, 9 says this, Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You want to wrestle against flesh and blood or do you want to wrestle against spiritual powers in high places? This is what he does. He roams around. He looks for people. He looks for Christians who are out of sorts. He looks for Christians who are not prayed up. He looks for Christians who don't, like, read the word. He looks for the ones who are just on the outskirt of the camp, flirting with Christianity, one foot in, one foot out, one foot in, one foot out, one foot in, one foot out. I'll come to church this Sunday, I won't come in six weeks' time. He looks for these people. Why? Because they are weak in their faith. They haven't sacrificed what it means, and you'll see further through this scripture that what God's asking them to do, be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. It's happening everywhere in Christianity. right? And so, but the Bible says, if you endure hardship, if you endure to the end, you know what you're going to receive? A crown, a golden crown that says, well done, good and faithful soldier. Well done because you've overcome the world. Jesus said, if you overcome the world, he will grant you to eat from the tree of life. He will give you eternal life. But you don't want to walk in there like lame and limp and like, hey, walk in there as a good soldier. So listen, next one. Endure hardship. Hardship's going to come. You've got to acknowledge that. Hardship will come, but as a good soldier, these guys in Gallipoli, they endured it. They just knew this is what we had to do. 
We have to live life. Sometimes we go through fiery trials. We've got to stand up in June. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going for it because that's what the Bible says, right? When you consider trials and tribulations and things coming, consider pure joy, brethren. Why? Because it means you're doing the work that God has called you to do, walking by faith as a soldier. Number two, he says this, be a good soldier. Not an ordinary soldier, but a good soldier, an elite SAS type stuff that you've trained yourself and you're a good soldier. Listen to what Spurgeon says. Paul does not exhort Timothy to be a common or ordinary soldier, but to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For all soldiers and all true soldiers may not be good soldiers. They are men who are but just soldiers and nothing more. They only need sufficient temptation and they readily become cowardly, idle, useless, worthless. But he who is a good soldier is bravest of the brave, courageous at all time, who is zealous, does his duty with heart and earnestness. That's a good soldier. A good soldier, regardless of what's happening around me, I'm still going to proclaim Jesus as Lord. I'm still going to tell people about Jesus regardless of the circumstances. I'm not going to not come to church and let my whole, my whole life collapse because something's going on in my life. Right? That's a good soldier. A good soldier fights the good fight of faith. He takes his stand. And when he is stood, he stands again. He puts on the full armour of God. He destroys every argument and thought. Our weapons are not carnival powerful. A good soldier knows how to warfare. He has been trained to warfare. You and I are trained to warfare. You come here on Sundays, you go to Connect Group. Why? Because of the training. Train and train and train so you can endure the hardship because you've been trained up. You're a good soldier. SAS soldiers, elite soldiers, are amazing. They've been so hard and so trained, so rightly handled for us the word of God. Be these people that can handle the word of God, handle circumstances where people see you going through a hard time. They go, you know what? I'm going through a hard time, but I'm praising the Lord because he's good. He's called me. Are you a good soldier this morning? Are you a good soldier this morning? Ooh. Challenging, huh? Number three, engage in warfare. Oh, he engages in warfare. You know, you need to engage in warfare. You can't be placid. You can't just sit there and wait for the enemy. When the commanding officer in the trenches gave the order to come out of the trenches and run towards him, and guess what they did? They did do that. They engaged in warfare. They knew for us to take ground, we need to get out of the trenches, get our weapon and run. And heaps of them died. But they just ran. Some did not run. Some stayed there. Some ran the other way. But the good soldiers, they engaged in warfare. You and I need to engage the enemy. You need to see the enemy, where he's coming into your household, where he's coming into your, into your life, what he's doing in your life. He's trying to build it. He's on the attack continually. He's not resting. Satan does not rest. He waits 
until he sees a weakness and he pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes until he has you down on the ground, until he has you and there's a stronghold built in his in your life. That's strongholds built by Satan. We are supposed to be engaging in warfare. This is why the Bible says, take up your stand. Put on your shield of armour, your shield of faith to distinguish the darts of the enemy. Stanley, can you see the picture? He's a Christian. He's got his helmet of salvation. He's got the sword. He's got his spear. He's got his feet. He's got his armour. He's got the belt. He's got everything. Why does it say that? Because he knows that we're not, we need to be on the offensive. We need to take ground from the enemy, personal ground. I have something in my life. The sin that so easily entangles. What do I need to do? I need to take ground by staying and being fruitful. I need to take it to the enemy and say to him, you have no position in my life. I will not give you permission in my life. I will not give you entrance into my life in this area. You take ground, right? If you're not taking ground, you're just placid. You're just sitting there waiting and barraged and barraged and barraged and barraged of bombings in your life from the enemy. Engage in warfare. Be honest with yourself, right? Because a Christian proves themselves in battle. Any soldier proves himself in battle. I can go and get trained to fight, but until I'm in the actual battle, how am I going to respond? How do I respond? You and I know when we go through trials and tribulations, you've got to be honest with yourself and say, you know what, I haven't responded well. Right in the heat of battle, I've collapsed. Instead of standing up and being engaged in the warfare, that's how you can tell where you are. You've got to be honest with yourself. You know what? I'm not as toughened as I think. When things happen in my life, I don't deal with them by the word. I collapse. Number four, does not entangle himself or herself with the affairs of this, of this life. A faithful soldier does not have the right to do anything that will entangle them and make them less effective as a soldier. This is what made Roman, Roman soldiers so good at what they do. Listen to this from a guy called Clark. It is well remarked by Grutius on this passage that the elite soldiers among the Romans were not permitted to engage in husbandry, merchandise, mechanical employments or anything that might be inconsistent with their calling. That was a Roman soldier. Of course, you know, we get, we get married and we do things, but our sanctification... We need to be sanctified. We need not to be caught up in the things of this world. A good soldier does not entangle themselves with the things of this world. He's elite. Jesus is his commanding officer. He does things that please Jesus. He doesn't get involved in civilian affairs. He doesn't get involved in things that aren't pleasing to his commanding officer. He's not on R&R every week, every day. He's on the attack. He's looking for the enemy. He's looking for a place where God's called him. He's the calling of God. And he's like, Lord, I'm sanctified. I'm set apart for the calling of God. I'm a soldier of God. What is it that you want me to do? Who is it that you want me to speak to? Who is it that you want me to lay hands on? Who is it that you want me to go and see? Who is it, Lord? Here I am. I'm available. I'm sanctified. I'm set apart. 
Nothing else will take away from the call of God on my life. What is it that you want me to do and say? That's a good soldier. He does not entangle himself with the affairs of this world. He's got Christ, his commanding officer in his mind, and that's what he does, and that's what he's called to do. And of course, the last one is, please, the last part of that verse, please the one who enlisted him. I know mean, that's all we all want to do, right? We want to please Jesus. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? You want to please your commanding officer. And let me tell you this morning what we're going to do because we're going to have an altar call this morning. We're going to open this altar because in, in World War One they knew that in the trenches they worked out that a platoon could only last about two weeks, especially in France, because the bombings and the mud and the snow and the bodies and the death, it was too much for them. Two weeks. Then they would rotate them. They would rotate the, the platoon out and then they'd get a fresh one in. And then that one would go into the city and just chill, relax, refreshed, renewed, built up again. They fed them. They let them have some wine. They let them have some R&R. They renewed their strength, right? So they can bring them back on the line in two weeks' time. And they go through it again. Can I just say to you as Christians, Sunday morning is a rest, refreshment, renewed for you. That's why I love it. That's why so many of us love it on a Sunday. Because as soldiers, you've gone through the week, you've had a tough week, you've had things happen in your life, you come on Sunday, and what it's supposed to be, R&R, refreshment, renewing, so you can go another week. And some of us, we get like good soldiers, they go to connect on Wednesdays. Because Sunday's not enough. They go to connect and they get filled again and refreshed again and brought out into the front line again. And so this morning, what I want us to do as we stand up this morning, I'm going to pray for you in a minute, but what we're going to do is we're going to get people to pray for us this morning as we're going to come out the front. For those that want to be renewed, those that want to be refreshed, those who have kind of forgotten how to warfare, forgotten the fight, forgot that they're called by Jesus to live a life of uprightness and holiness and strength. This morning, we're going to get you to come out the front and we're going to get the prayer team to come and lay hands on you and fill you once again with the anointing of God, fill you once again with the Spirit of God so you can, during the week, thank you very much, off I go in the power of God. And so this morning... Let me pray for you and then we're going to worship and then we can come forward. We're going to pray for individuals laying hands on them, believing there's going to be a transfer of power and fire. Father, just lift up your hands this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, that you've called us. Thank you that you've called us to be soldiers in Christ. Thank you for your power and your anointing. I pray for individuals this morning, Father God, that have heard this message. Yes, it's a hard message, but Lord, you empower us for the task. You anoint us for the task. You give us all these things, the Holy Spirit who lives in us, Father, to guide us and to lead us and to give us understanding. So this morning I pray for every person this morning, Lord, that you are renewing and refreshing. And I pray, Father God, as people come forward to the altar and we lay hands on them, there will be such a 
fire within their belly once again, Father God. Lord, an infilling of the Holy Spirit and power, a boldness to come upon them like never before, an ability to stand where others fall, that will walk through it, Father. And so we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's worship and let's come and do business with God this morning. Hallelujah.